JMP. You are listening to Astrology Today, coming to you live from the beautiful Sunshine Coast and Powell River, which is situated on the traditional lands of the Klahoman Nation. I will be your host, Maureen Reed, and I am an astrologer. Welcome back, our listeners, and Jill is with me from Victoria. Let's see if we have sound. Say something. No, we don't don't okay but we have a fix we know what the fix is okay try that nope nope oh dear try this there nope no you have to say something oh you're not hearing me you oh need to fix it yes i did ah you got it i did right because i have to pull that down and push that up do we have sound now i can hear you you can hear me i can't hear you Oh, you can't hear me. Oh, okay. Uh, you've, you've cut yourself. I can't hear you. Can you hear me now? Yes. Ah. Okay, yeah. stop doing it. <laughs> stop doing it. <laughs> um, I, just as an aside to the listeners, I'm, I'm yeah. Um, apparently, I was reading through some of the, we just had our annual AGM here at CGMP. And um, I had an opportunity to sort of look at the, you know, criteria for community radio stations. And professionalism was mentioned a lot of times. But, you know, there has to be some comic relief, don't you think? You know, like, you know, not that astrology is comic relief. I'm not saying that. But old people running technology. That's the comic (laughs) relief. (laughs) Anyway, uh, I'm sure the rest of the station is incredibly, you know, techno-savvy and, yeah, but I still struggle. What can I say? Anyway, so what is on the docket for today? We are going to continue with Lesson 5. And uh, two weeks ago, uh, Jill went through, you know, putting all the actors on the stage of the chart that she's looking at. So today I am going to put all the actors on a Hellenistic stage, which um, in the Hellenistic model, we start with um, the sect of a chart, which is uh, basically just whether or not you were born at night or if you were born during the day. Now, the only sort of strange thing about that, because in our mind, we sort of go the day and then the night would be, you know, like we make it sort of like a 12-hour thing, which it actually isn't. Um, You know, so you could be born at 10 o'clock at night and the sun would be down. And so that would be a night chart, you know. So there's, you can have two slots during any given 24 hours that could create a night chart, whereas a day chart is just a day chart, period. The sun is up, it's a day chart. It doesn't cross any of that 24-hour 
Basically, the sun's either above the horizon or below. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so I do have some graphics that I am going to share. And the first one, actually, I'm going to go down. Can you see that, Jill? Are we good? Yep. Okay. Why is this not moving? Can I move it? Yes. There we go. Okay. So one of the kind of quirky things about uh, Hellenistic astrology is when someone is born either at sunset or sunrise. And I can't even remember where I found this graphic. But in a Hellenistic point of view, if the sun is above the ascendant line, ASC is what it'll show on a chart, then it is always a day chart. And in this particular model, um, they were showing, you know, sort of I don't know if you'd call this science. It's probably just a nautical way of looking at it, obviously. Um, so in Hellenistic, they're pretty much in agreement that the civil twilight, as is shown on here, that you're at a point where you need to ask some very specific questions in order to qualify whether it's a day chart or a night chart. Anything lower than six degrees is, is, is considered definitely a night chart. Um, and I'll get to the graphic of how you, you know, what kind of questions you ask. So once you've established that it's a day or night chart, then that establishes who is the sect light. Okay, so if it's a day chart, then the sun is, doesn't rule the chart, but the sun's team will be way more influential in a person's life. If you were born at night, then the moon's team will be way more influential, okay? So in those teams, we have benefics and malefics. Okay, so Venus is uh, one of the, the benefics. So wherever Venus falls in your chart, um, there will be uh, positive influences and the, the ability for things to work the way they're supposed to, wherever Venus is found, okay? The other uh, benefic is Jupiter, so same, same, same. So wherever Jupiter is found in your chart, you're going to find um, that things can work out more the way they're supposed to. So any planets that they touch or aspects that they make or houses that they rule, will have the touch of grace from either one of the benefics. Now, the malefics, which is, I mean, basically the Hellenistic folks recognize that some people's lives are way easier than others. <laughs> and they just acknowledge that. They were Stoics, which means you got what you got and you make the best of what you got. Um, that's probably a really simplistic view of Stoicism, but that's kind of what it was about. So the malefics were Mars and Saturn. And Saturn was called the shining one. I'm not sure why, just because of how it shows up in this night sky, I guess. And Mars, the fiery one. And I have seen, literally, in the sky, a red Mars. Have you, Jill? Yeah. yeah it's always got a reddish tinge. I mean, yeah. It's not, not bright red, but it is definitely, yeah. you can tell it's not shining like the clear light of Saturn yeah. or Jupiter. Or Jupiter, yeah. So um, we will all have these malefics somewhere in our chart. And depending on what sect, as to whether they are uh, energy that we can harness and put to good use, or whether they're, you know, challenging us, and that's just going to be the way it is. Um, and so 
in terms of the people walking on the stage, obviously the first thing we want to look at is, is it a diurnal chart, a sun chart, or a night chart? And so this is how SECT plays out. If you're a day chart, then um, Jupiter is the greater benefic. Uh, Saturn is the lesser malefic. So in other words, he's totally doable once you get, get a handle on what he's what he's in charge of and, uh, you know, what houses he affects. And Mercury, whom I haven't mentioned yet, he's he goes with whoever team is prominent. Okay, so in a day chart, Mercury will operate to the benefit of uh, Sun, Jupiter, and Saturn. In a night chart, we have the moon now is the sect light. Um, and so in terms of the difference between the two sect lights, if you have a day chart, then you're driven more from your heart, whereas with a nocturnal chart, you're driven more from your moon, which is um, the emotional nurturing, um, psychic sensitive. Okay, so that's how that will play out. And then uh, on the night side, Venus is your greater benefic, Mars is your lesser malefic. Uh, and of course, Mercury being neutral will follow with these two. So obviously, there is the opposites in the chart. So in a day chart, Mars is going to be a pain in the ass. In a night chart, Saturn's going to be a pain in the ass. Um, and the benefics, the benefic that is not of the sect in favor won't, won't have as much power. Okay. Um, yeah, won't be able to do as Something good a job. happening with your sound. Oh, really? Okay. I'm, you're, you're frozen. I am frozen. Oh, okay. That is, that won't be true for the audience. That'll just, yeah, internet connection is unstable. But to the folks who are listening to me, it'll be fine. Okay, so let's walk out. You're breaking up. I'm happy. Yeah. Um, so for Jill, this is awkward, but for the radio audience, it'll be fine. Okay, so with the chart that I have, which I've now pulled up, we have, uh, it is a day chart, okay, uh, the sun, or pardon me, a night chart, the sun is below the horizon, and so I'm going to walk them out onto the stage from a Hellenistic perspective. So I need to pull up my notes here. Am I sounding better now? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So for my radio audience, that kind of internet problem doesn't affect the radio, just so you know. So I'll just keep blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. So uh, let me just get down to, okay. So we've established the sect and Okay, so here we go. We're going to start with the first planets that walk out, which is the Sun, Mercury, and Venus in the second house. And so um, we know that Venus, because this is a night chart, is of the sect in favor. And so she is going to happily uh, cast her benevolence in uh, the second house, which is your personal resources, um, usually skills and talents that you can bring to a job if you want. It's your ability to accumulate wealth and all of that kind of good stuff. And so having Venus there uh, for this individual will mean that, um, you know, she'll shine a happy light there. Now, she also rules other sectors of the chart. 
And so she rules the fifth house, and so that's children. So with Venus as a ruler of the fifth house, uh, unless Venus is very debilitated, which we will get to in another show, because I can't put it all in at once, um, she will have a positive influence on this person's ability to have children. She is also the ruler of the 10th. So again, having the benefic of the sect in favor um, impacting your position out there in the world, that's a good thing. Now the sun um, is not of the sect in favor, so, but having you know the benefic support the sun, that translates into help for uh, what the sun rules, which is the eighth house. And so eighth house matters won't be as challenging as they might otherwise have been. Putting Venus and Mercury together, um, it just adds uh, the ability to bring some um, Libran style communication, so a little softer in speech, um, a little easier to do the whole social connection thing, to communicate to people. So Venus is a positive influence on that uh, Mercury, which typically is just kind of neutral. Okay, so moving on, the next planet that we look at um, that walked out is Mars. Now, Mars is in the third house, so and he is the malefic of the sect in favor. So <clears throat> Mars starts off, can be, you know, very cutting and abrasive and competitive and wants to fight all the time. Now, this is in her third house. So if she has other siblings, I suspect that it would get quite rambunctious at times when they're really little. But as she gets older, because Mars is of the sect in favor, she will be able to um, get a positive handle on that Mars ability to cut. Um, and it is in a water sign, and that's also a good thing because Mars can understand water signs. Um, and that has to do with what the Hellenistics call triplicity rulerships. So if a planet is in a similar element as what it naturally rules, then it can do well. Okay, so next up we have the moon. The moon is in the fourth house, and it is in one of the signs that that Mars rules. And because Venus, Mars, and the moon are all of the night sect, they're all together below the chart, that makes that three, um, it sort of gives them a positive edge in life. And so the fact that uh, Mars rules that moon will help the moon cope with the fact that it's in a fire sign, which is not where the moon would love to be. Of course, the moon would love to be in Cancer, uh, in a water sign. But having Mars in charge of that moon because they are in the same sect family, that will help. Okay, so Mars also rules the 11th house of um, friends, audiences, people that can be of benefit to the individual. That will also support um, the moon as well, um, just because Mars takes on uh, a little better flavor having... Um, why am I saying that? I just ran off on a tangent, didn't I? <laughs> God, I have to confess I'm on drugs. My back is out. Um, how does that help? I don't know if it does help. Well, it's the 11th house. So yeah, if she gets support from outside of her immediate community, because that is third house, then 
if Mars is happier, then the moon will be happier. That's where I went with that, yes. Okay, so moving on to the moon, um, like I was saying, the moon would prefer to be in a watery sign just because its natural home is water. And so the condition of that moon um, is, it, it's better than what it could be if Mars didn't rule it um, because Mars is reasonably well-placed, but um, it is a moon Mars. And so this affects what? Um, her home life, obviously, the moon is there. So having good, strong roots. And, um, you know, there could be issues in the home that are Martian-like uh, in terms of witnessing, you know, strife within uh, the home environment. And strife that comes, um, how do you, inherited through family systems on both sides. Uh, and this will have a direct bearing on that uh, where the moon rules, which is over there in the seventh house. And so as she ages and gets a handle on Mars, uh, Mars then um, is better able to take care of that moon. If the moon is in better shape, then her seventh house relationships will benefit from that. Uh, but otherwise, I'm imagining that... Um, her marriages won't be of the um, white picket fence, smiley, happy. They will be tumultuous and fiery. She should marry somebody from Spain <laughs> or Mexico, maybe, because <laughs> they will be very dynamic, <laughs> I suspect. Okay, so moving on. Um, and again, in Hellenistic, we don't look at the outer planets uh, uh, we can further down the road, but in the first look of a chart, we only do the seven traditionals. Okay, so now we're up above the horizon, and we come to the lesser benefic in the eighth house. And what's interesting about that, from a Hellenistic point of view, Jupiter is of the sun's team, and he does look favorably on the sun. The opposition in um, Hellenistic is not as problematic, uh, depending on who's involved, but in this particular case, uh, there's like uh, a nice um, opposition because these two are on the same team. And it will support the sun in its, what it has to deal with when it's dealing with the eighth house, which is death, taxes, sex, and shared resources. And having Jupiter there, again, it's not as um, easy or as beneficial as Venus would be there in a night chart, but it's still a benefic, and so that helps. The other opposition is the Jupiter-Venus opposition. And again, you put the two benefics together in whatever aspect they are. Um, in this particular case, it could uh, occasionally definitely go over the top with the Jupiter-Venus thing. I mean, they, they love to be together, but they aren't necessarily their own best friends when they're together. But, you know, having a good time. There's people who would argue that that's a good thing. <laughs> Anyway, it, it helps with that second, eighth axis, which can be problematic for people, uh, but having both the benefics straddling that um, bodes well. Now, our last guy to walk on the stage is Saturn, 
And Saturn is the malefic that is not of the sect in favor. And so in nighttime charts, Saturn is going to be your nemesis, your Achilles heel, the, and this, the areas that he rules. You're going to have to work diligently and hard to bring that in to a functioning position. It's not impossible. Um, occasionally, it seems to shut certain things right down, but not always. Uh, again, it depends on um, the condition of that Saturn. And so Saturn rules both the ascendant, which I haven't talked about, and the second house. And so even though that second house at first blush, looks reasonable, looks like, hey, this could be doable. Having Saturn ruling it means there has to be work done with that Saturn. And so decoding that Saturn is going to be incredibly important. Now, it is up above the horizon with its other sect mate, Jupiter, that helps. Um, they are trined by sign, Jupiter trines Saturn, so that helps, yay. And Saturn just happens to actually like being in the 12th house. And so there are some mitigating factors, which uh, we'll talk about in another episode. And then the last piece is, and I did leave it to the last rather than starting there, because the ruler of the ascendant um, is an indicator of the general tract that the life will take. And so having the ruler being Saturn in the 12th house, this is not an individual who will play a big role out on the stage. And even in um, more modern times, that would probably be the case because most of the planets are below the horizon. And so it's more of a subjective life uh, rather than a out there on the stage. And so the hope is, is that in it being not an out front life that it goes towards being part of a bigger organization um, not one like the prison system unless you're the guard <laughs> or you know there could be um, I mean the other arena that the 12th house also speaks to is uh, large organizations like the army or um, you know, being part like a firefighter, things where the person is not individually prominent, uh, but works in big teams, very big teams with the 12th house. Okay, so that's the start for where the Hellenistics would take it when they walk the people out on the stage. And then in a future lesson, we'll go into um, what are the themes and uh you know, what are the uh, mitigations and the bonifications and uh, how that plays out through the course of a person's life. There you have it, my first look at this chart. And now, yay, <laughs> who has been very patiently and quiet, Jill is going to take over because we're also going to get started with the next layer that we look at. And I am just going to run the graphics because she's going to start talking about aspects. Take it away, my dear. Okay. Yeah, you could take it down to the chart I was looking at for. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we'll start with the guy first. There you go. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so I'll just I'll just let people know what the chart looks like quickly. Uh, so this is February 11th, 2007. We have 
moon in Sag in the second house. We have Mars in Capricorn in the third. We have the sun in Aquarius. Oh, and we had Jupiter there too. Uh, yeah, so go through where everything is because this is a listening audience and yeah, they need to hear that. Yeah, so we have a um, late degrees of Libra on the ascendant, mm-hmm. eight degrees. Um, but that is still the ascendant. So the ruler is Venus and she's down in the fourth house. She's conjunct Neptune in the fourth house. And Chiron is also in the fourth. Um, there are no plants in the first house. In the second house, we have Ju- uh, Moon, Jupiter, Pluto in Sagittarius. Uh, in the third house, we have Mars in Capricorn. And uh, as I say, we have Chiron, Sun, Neptune in the fourth. And in the fifth house, we have Mercury, Uranus, the North Node, and Venus all in Pisces. Mm. And uh, then the next planet, the only other planet we have to look at is way up in the tenth, and that's Saturn and Leo in the tenth. So he's carrying the weight for that whole half of the chart. (laughs) (laughs) That it is, yes. Yep. So, yeah, it's basically what the formation it makes. It looks like a bit of a bucket because we've got a handle, which is Saturn, and all the other planets just hanging down below the ascendant. (laughs) So um, with aspects, what we're looking at... And we're going to just cover the, the basic four aspects. There are more aspects you can look at. But the primary aspects, the ones that have the most weight um, and are most commonly discussed, are the, um, the opposition. And we have an example of that in the Saturn up in the 10th house opposing that Sun-Neptune down in the 4th house. In, in Aquarius. So that's the opposition. Our opposition is, I mean, you're dividing the chart in half. So it, it creates a, an almost seesaw kind of thing. Um, it's, it's not, none of the aspects are good or bad. They just are what they are. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Some are, they're, in the ones you, if you look at this chart, and you can see that on Maureen's website, um, you'll see that there are red ones and there are blue ones. <laughs> That's true. Now, I red, hadn't thought about that, but yeah. <laughs> the red ones are the opposition and the square. Now these are these tend to be have more more energy. Yes. More they're more dynamic. That is very true. Some people will call them more difficult, and they can be, but you know, they are they kind of point to where the lessons are that we learn. (laughs) And they're also, they're also aspects that you can't really ignore. Well, no, they, they, they they're very dynamic. They will catch your attention from time to time, especially when you have transits, you know, activating them, Mm -hmm. um, bringing them to life, but they are, they are dynamic. So with the opposition, you've got a sense of tension sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's between, one side and the other so it can operate in a person's life as it seems to be coming from out there (laughs) yeah that's not me (laughs) not me (laughs) it's it's something over there that's you know 
Um, but it isn't because it's a circle and it's your circle. So it's all your stuff. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. So, but there can be a sense of push pull with the, with the opposition because mm-hmm. um, you can't really do two sides of things that are that far apart at the same time. Mm-hmm. Kind of like you have to go with one or the other, which is kind of for me, like a seesaw kind of thing. Like I'm either in my sun Neptune in Aquarius thing, or I've got to be Saturn up there in Leo in the 10th, which is Saturn is very practical and very organized and wanting to achieve something, especially in, in the 10th house. Whereas the sun and Neptune, eh, well, the sun itself could be more dynamic, but with Neptune attached to it, and they're quite close, um, it tends to blur things. Neptune is a difficult energy, especially when it's dealing with Saturn, which is the hard reality of of the world. Yes, yes. Concrete reality, what I can see, taste, touch, feel, what seems really real to my senses. Mm-hmm. Whereas Neptune is that other reality, which is the spiritual, the consciousness, the all, the everything. So, um, and, and, and I mean, a, conju- a conjunction is an aspect as well. You don't see it because it doesn't have lines going, but the sun conjunct Neptune, that's an aspect. Mm-hmm. You can't separate them. They are together yeah. Yeah. in this yeah. person's personality. They are fused mm-hmm. into this kind of, they have to work together. They have no choice. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> They're stuck to each other. So with Neptune, especially with the sun, which is like, who am I? Mm-hmm. And Neptune is like, well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you think you are. Who do you want to be? <laughs> what does your imagination say? So that kind of thing, dealing with this very hard um, reality piece can be challenging. So. Yeah. But I, I would see. think I would think that that particular challenge, given the pieces that this chart has put together, that that Saturn is actually going to be incredibly helpful when oh, developed. I think, so. I think yeah. because of the nebulous nature of Neptune, um, it does fog things up, and so Saturn can bring some clarity, yeah. especially from other people, and sometimes from authority figures. Parents might help. Yeah, you know. Um, although being that Sun Neptune is in the fourth house, there can be issues with family. So, <laughs> yeah, um, <clears throat> there's always many ways to look at how these can play out. Yes. Um, but the Sun and Saturn are also in what we call mutual reception. They are yes. in, in each other's signs. If you take Saturn as the old ruler of Aquarius. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in some ways, in in this particular configuration, um, having that mutual reception, again, could make it possible to harness that Sun-Neptune. I, I think Saturn can be a very positive piece as he gets older. Yes, exactly. Yeah, as Saturn is Saturn, classic. Saturn and delay. Capricorn yeah. energy, things improve with age. Exactly, and- exactly, yeah. But when you're a child, and, and also that Saturn piece can give a, a real sense of not getting to be a child in some respects. Yes. Because yep. there's this need to be responsible and yep. kind of be an ad- adult before you're ready. Yeah. 
which might also add to that confusion that Neptune can bring. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, I'm a kid. <laughs> so, so yes, I think that as as he grows, um, you know, that will be a positive piece for him. It'll give him direction. It'll give him, mm-hmm. you know, some grounding, some solidity that the Sun Neptune can struggle with. So. Yeah, I don't see it as a as an entirely negative thing, but there's 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 always good and bad. There's always yeah. pros and cons yeah. in any any placement and any aspect in a chart. You know, yeah. there's going to be there's going to be good things that that brings, and there's going to be lessons that Saturn will bring. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, Are not always welcome. <laughs> They're necessary, but not always welcome. So that's that's the main op. There's that's the opposition in the chart. That's there. There are no. And there other can op- be multiple oppositions in a given chart. Yes, yeah, it's an opposition to both Sun and Neptune because they are just joined at the hip. <laughs> so yeah, you know you don't you don't aspect one without the other when you have planets in a conjunction like that. So yes, it's going to be uh, you know as I say I think. Probably as he gets older, it'll it'll become a little easier, but it, it'll bring challenges. It'll bring lessons. Um, and, you know, again, Saturn likes being in the 10th house. So when he gets more out in the world and looking at where do I want, where do I want to focus my attention? What do I want to achieve? Um, that can be helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's that's the opposition. Um, the other red aspects you'll spot on this chart are the squares. Now, a square is dividing the chart, the uh, circle in four. So it's uh, again, these are part of the the two aspect, right? You're dividing the chart by two, and then by two again. Yeah, and yeah. and that's gives and then, you what, and they call them the hard aspects. Yeah, but really, the other word is dynamic. Because yes. they, they are they are the action ones. They they make things. They they see that something has to happen. Yes, yep. they give you a challenge because you need to meet the challenge, and you can't just kind of avoid it because it's not going away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll deal with this. <laughs> so, so we have um, quite a few oppositions, but they are because Squares. the planet. Yeah. There what? are conjunctions. Conjunctions again. Yes. So we have the conjunction in the second house in Sagittarius of the Moon and Jupiter, which rules Sagittarius. Yeah. Um, and they're at 13 and 15 degrees, so very close together. Again, joined at the hip. You're not getting one without the other. Jupiter can kind of magnify things. It makes it likes bigger is better. Right? Yes. Yeah. So, uh, in with the moon, it can amplify the emotions, and it's in a fire sign, so it doesn't mean he's going to be emotional all the time. But moon, <laughs> when he is, fire. it'll be noticeable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, if they come, they can be big. They, you know, yeah, over a bit because <clears throat> that can be a challenge. Um, and especially because those two planets up, uh, square against another two planets, which is Mercury and Uranus. 
Right. Um, yes. And also, well, the North Node and Venus. So there's a quite a quite a we call it a stellium when there's more than two planets together. They're a, mm-hmm. they're a, a, a packed packed house. It's a fifth house. It Pisces. is. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got Mercury at nine. We've got Uranus at thirteen. The North Node at sixteen and Venus at 18. So they're quite close together, all of them. Mm-hmm. All of them conjunction. Um, so that's a lot of energy to deal with uh, altogether. Yeah. It, it, again, it might add to that Neptune-Sun confusion. <laughs> <laughs> well, but Venus is happy in Pisces. Venus is Venus very is happy. happy in, Venus is happy in Pisces. Mercury is not happy in Pisces. That's true. And it's conjunct Uranus, which is a very erratic kind of, um, can be explosive, can be unpredictable kind of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, so with Mercury Uranus, you can, it can give you, you know, certainly tech, technical skills. Mm-hmm. And he does spend a lot of time on the <laughs> technological devices, as most kids do these days. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, he would have no problem with that. He'd be very fluid with it. It's in Pisces. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, unfortunately, he might enjoy it a little too much. Um, but, um, and Venus is there too. Again, Venus is, you know, pleasure and it's in the fun house. So this kid will like to have fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um which can be a challenge, you know, to that serious Saturn shining down on everybody. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh. Yeah. Um, however, um, in terms of the square, we have that moon Jupiter in the second squaring that all of those, all of those planets and the node. Yes. In fifth. So this is squares are in some ways even more dynamic than the opposition. They, yes. And be building blocks or stumbling blocks. <laughs> That's a good way to put it, yeah. Usually they, they start off as stumbling blocks <laughs> because <laughs> you know, it's like you, you hit a brick wall. They are, they're squaring off against each other, you know? When mm-hmm. you square off against something, you're fighting it in a way. And so it, it creates a lot of friction between the planets involved. So you've got this this moon Jupiter, which can get quite emotional, and it's squaring Mercury Venus in Pisces, which is a water sign. Mercury uh, Moon is in a fire sign, but these guys are in a water sign. Yep. <laughs> and so that can kind of amplify the the wateriness of the moon and make it even more unmanageable when it's active the Mercury's going to have a really hard time mm-hmm. seeing things clearly. <laughs> it's, it's like, what clarity? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just whatever, you know? Um, and like I say, with Uranus in there, it can happen like that, you know, out of the blue, because Uranus is unpredictable, you know? Mm-hmm. Just, boom, now I'm upset. I may not know why, but... <laughs> So, and also I think because the moon is, you know, our emotional nature, it can amplify the sensitivity, you know, mm-hmm. we, our reactiveness. The moon is, is, tends to be re- reactive because it's, 
reflective. Yes. So yeah. what's going on will trigger it, right? Mm-hmm. So that, why do we get emotional? Why do we get upset about something? Because something's pushing a button, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So this guy might have quite a, a trigger, <laughs> you know, trigger happy kind of, oh, I'm triggered again. But again, I think as he gets older, those planets in those, um, the moon Jupiter are trining Saturn. Yes, they are. Um, we're going to talk about the trine in a second, and that can help. But the squares, it square itself, it's not, that won't make it go away. It'll, it'll help a little, but it's not going to make it go away. You're going to, you're going to run into this tension and friction between my emotions and what I'm thinking. Right. Because they're not going to work well together. They're, they're at odds with each other. Mm-hmm. You know, and Venus is there, you know, doing the, the best she can. But it, that's a pretty challenging grouping. Yes. Especially yep. when you bring in a square to something as sensitive as the moon that's getting amplified <laughs> by Jupiter. So, you know, Jupiter's happy in, in Pisces and or sorry, Jupiter's happy in Sagittarius and Venus is very happy in Pisces, but um, you still have a square and the square is a square and it will bring, it'll bring things up, you know, especially Exactly, when, it will call, it will call things, make them dynamic, yeah. Yeah, and, and especially when you get transits, right? Yes, when it gets triggered, um, with, yeah. With, with the moon, the moon transits everything every month, so... You know, you can yeah. have real sensitive times of the month. It's yeah. a boy, but... And I think, mean, like, from... the exclusive thing of females, you know? No, it isn't. And I think yeah. from a, um, a Hellenistic point of view, that um, night charts in particular, because the sect light is the moon, that they do notice that transiting moon more so than yeah. uh, a day yeah. chart... Yeah, with yeah. a prominent moon. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's the leading planet in that group yes. under under yeah. the ascendant, so it's prominent by by that and by its conjunction with Jupiter. Yeah, so <laughs> that can be um, passionate. <laughs> it can be passionate. It can also get confused because the Pisces part of the Mercury, Mercury yeah. and Pisces, and especially because he's got the Sun Neptune. Neptune rules Pisces. Yeah, and it's got the Sun, so it can really. Yeah. make it more difficult to get a handle on who am I? Yes. <laughs> what do I, yeah. what do I want? What do I think? <laughs> yeah. How do I feel? <laughs> you know, that's, you know, that can be very challenging. So it's not an, you know, no chart is, I've, I've seen very few charts that are really easy. Because yes. Yeah. No, that is true. That is true. Yeah. Most charts, you will have some squares and some oppositions and, you know some aspects that, and and that also change. to note that in a chart um like for instance this spring or well late winter uh there was a few days there where everything was less than 60 degrees in aquarius right and so people yes. born at that particular time if if you have that kind of a pile up then the development of those individuals um, it suffers from a lack of squares in opposition. Yes, and he, he yeah. actually had the new moon on his sun, so. <laughs> so, yeah, he, you know, this this will be an interesting year for him. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and 14 often is. Yes, yeah. Uh, because that's part of the Saturn cycle. Exactly, yeah. Um, and often people at 14 do have, Saturn becomes much more important or it's activated in, in, in a sense because, yeah. well, it is in Aquarius. It's going to be opposing itself, right? Yeah. So it it's like... It's 14, 15 is a growing up time. And that's yeah. for teenagers. Yeah. I mean, we all know how that's, that can be difficult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Self and other, huh? <laughs> that's part of it. Because Saturn yeah. is, is starting to say it's time to start growing up. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but, okay, those are, the, those are what we call the, the dynamic aspects that are in this chart. And the... What, what are called the, the more harmonious or easy aspects are in blue. Yep. Um, a more relaxed color. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, um, and so we have this trine from the Moon-Jupiter conjunction, and actually Pluto in the second house is, is trining as well. They're all trining that Saturn in the 10th house. Mm-hmm. So to me, that that says, and as, again, especially as he is getting older and with when he's hitting his Saturn return, I think that can bring in, you know, that helpful maturing kind of energy. Yes. To yeah. help deal with that, whatever emotional uh, flu, you know, upheaval or his passion, yeah. help him with over his passion, top. give discipline to that passion. Over the top kind yeah. of emotional thing that he yeah. might have, reactiveness. Um, so I think that, you know, that trying with Saturn can be really supportive and helpful, which is, is great because he needs, he's going to need that, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and yeah, especially with a Saturn opposition because that's a hard time. Yeah. And the, the other point to uh, mention, too, with the trines and with the easier aspects is on some level, you actually have to choose to use them. Well, exactly. They don't, they, they're called the easy aspects, but they're less dynamic yeah. than the oppositions and squares. They don't have, they have energy, but not the same kind of dynamic energy. Yeah. They're there. And, uh, and often when I'm looking at charts with clients, you know, I talk mostly about the opposition squares, difficult, challenging yeah. aspects, because they notice those. And yes. if you talk about the trines and, and sextiles, they kind of go, yeah, but that's easy. <laughs> yes. Anybody anybody can do that. And I'm like, no. No. It's <laughs> easy for you, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we take for granted, in a way, that energy. And yeah. don't, and, and yeah, if one of the benefits of, becoming familiar with your chart is is recognizing oh you know i could i could focus more energy more on that you know making that really support me and benefit yes yeah help out with those uh, challenging uh dynamic aspects and you know that's the yin and yang of you know all of this is for every challenge we have there's usually something that's there to help but you have to with the softer aspects you have to look for it you have yeah. to you have to choose to yeah turn it off yeah. yeah so the the last of the aspects we'll talk about is the sextile 
So a sextile is like a half trine, it's 60 degrees, the trine yeah. is 120. And, um, and again, it's a blue aspect, it's, it's fairly easy. It doesn't have even as much energy as the trine though. It's not as yeah. noticeable, yeah. you're not, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a somewhat helpful kind of mm-hmm. supportive flow of energy. It's because it is easy. But it's not as noticeable as the trines, which, you know, if you get a, um, them activated, it's like, oh, I just had the greatest luck. Something just, you know, Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It happened, you know? Um, and sextiles are more, they, they give you opportunities. But again, and you have to actually put more energy, I think, into, into them yes. to make them useful. Yeah. So one of the, uh, one of the sextiles in, well, the first sextile in the chart is that that moon Jupiter in in Sagittarius, and they are trining um, or sextiling the Chiron Neptune Sun in the fourth yes. house. Mm-hmm. So that can help with that emotionalism, right? Yeah. Uh, in terms of again, as he's getting older and getting a handle on it more, um, yeah, it. it he might bring some awareness to it or make him or it could it could make it go even further off the rails because sextiles well it could especially neptune yeah Yeah. i mean it's it's an easier aspect it's still neptune yeah uh, yeah it's because of the diffuse nature of neptune's energy it's hard to get a handle on things when, when neptune's involved yeah so yes he he but he may be, you know, it gives him the opportunity, yeah. if, he, if he's aware of it, to use that emotional energy in a more positive way, like empathy, sympathy. Um, yes, yes. Neptunian part, you can tune into other people. Part of the problem with, with Neptune conjunction with the sun is you don't know where you end and they begin. other people begin. Yeah, the boundary thing like, is... Yep. You can be like a psychic sponge where you soak up other people's energy, and that's very confusing. Yeah. Especially as a child, you know, like, uh, yeah, I don't know what I'm feeling because it is it mine or is it theirs? And, yeah. You know, so, so that can be challenging, but it can also give you a lot of empathy if you are able to tune in and and use it in a in an effective way so there's the opportunity for that it's a question again with the softer aspects whether you are able to see it and embrace it and i think that'll come as he gets older but mm-hmm. not as much when he's a child um and then the other sex style we're looking at is mars we're back to mars we haven't talked about him no yeah, with doesn't the- have any other ex- aspects except the sextiles to um, basically to Uranus and the North Node and Venus. Yeah, it's too wide for Mercury, but Mercury's pulled into it because it's conjunct yeah. Uranus. So it it really is sextiling that group in the fifth house, and Mars in Capricorn likes being in Capricorn because yeah. Mars likes to do things and Capricorn likes to accomplish things and so yes <laughs> Mars feels very useful and capable and you know able to direct their energies and it's in the third house which is is kind of good for and he's very very athletic very good you know as I 
spoke last time of, of you know with mobility and sports and yes that's part of that sextile to the fifth house of he really enjoys you know being physical and being um you know with the team playing and yes yeah all of that and he's always been like even as a as an infant he could like at six months he could throw a ball pretty straight you know wow like, <laughs> he just you know, yeah 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 He's got that, you know, again, it's, it's comes easy for him because yep. it's textile, right? Yeah. It's especially close to the, you know, the aspect with Venus. So you've got this Venus and Mars sextile, which is a really nice combination. Oh, it is. Yeah. You've got Venus loving where she is and Mars loving where he is. So yep. those can be very supportive uh, pieces. Exactly. Yeah. The North Node. And the North Node is more about what you need to develop. Yeah. So I think, again, as he gets older, he'll mature into being able to use that energy yes. in a really more positive way. Right. Exactly. Yep. Um, yeah. And if he has children, then, you know, I think that can Which, be really it, good. you know, when he gets older with a Venus where Mars um, yeah, sex education yeah. will be really important or he may have way too many kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, he already, already, you know, even as a, you know, young person, he really enjoys little kids. You know, yeah. He, yeah, he yeah. Does, yeah, yeah. He does enjoy children. So, you know, I'm sure as, as an adult, if, you know, when he has a relationship and chooses to, he'll, you know, and Mars in, in Capricorn is ruling his seventh house. So, yeah. you know, that, that may give him sort of a solid basis for oh, yeah. A, yeah. A, a good relationship. And, yeah, probably one where he's able to recognize somebody as an equal. Yes. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, it bodes well and, for his relationship. And he'll want somebody who is, is physical dynamic and, dynamic. and likes to be active as well. You know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's that's kind of the basic aspects. There are other aspects yes. that are and and are we we can do a show group, on but, yeah um, yeah because that uh, that Mars of course has an aspect to Saturn that's not shown on this chart, but in modern times the in conjunct was uh, I know myself when I was just using the modern way of looking at a chart the in conjunct was important which is a 150 degree yeah. aspect. Yes, and, and in this chart, you've got Mars and Capricorn in an in conjunct with uh, Saturn in the 10th house. And also with that Venus so, in, you know, in um, and, Pisces. So and we have, yeah, well, we got the yod happening. Got a yeah, yeah. So that oh, we, yeah. we will talk about that, those kind of special conditions because they do point to some unusual talents and challenges and... Yeah. 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 Because of the sex style, it helps that as those aspects to Saturn, I think. Yeah. Again, as he gets older, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, there's, there's, there's challenges. Yeah. And also just uh, some really good support energy that can help him as he gets older to make the best of those and yeah. Yeah. learn from his, 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 his you know, lessons and <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So that's the basics of the 
aspects. Yeah, the four basic aspects. Of yeah. Yeah, always more to look at in astrology. Oh, always, always. So we're kind of coming to the end of the show. And I'm thinking that in terms of the sort of, so you want to read your own chart, we've kind of covered the basics. And, but what I think we might do, because what um, the book that I had uh, recommended for this little series, um, she goes through pages where she talks about questions you might ask your chart if you're mm -hmm. looking for answers you know like the question of so what do I need to pay attention to in relationship what do I need to do vis-a-vis -vis career and where I live you know all those sort of questions that uh, clients do walk in the door with and so we might switch to just each one of those um, she's got a series of them in the book and um, and look at how each of the two systems, the Hellenistic and the modern, would um, grapple with those kinds of questions. And it'll also show the the listener or the you know person that's reading their own chart what what all kind of information you can actually glean from this picture. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, so that's that that sounds good, doesn't it? I think. Yeah. But next week, Jill is going to take us on uh, a little trip into what's called astrocartography. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's locational astrology. So it's, you know, the, the, the natal chart is always your base. You never do anything without that as your foundation. Yep. But the, uh, the astrocartography is a way of looking at kind of the world and what places on the world support certain energies particularly well and how how that can impact um, you if you happen to go there. Yes, you, exactly. Yeah. Or, or actually to, to try living, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's an adjunct. It's not um, something you look at without the natal chart. Ever. Exactly, exactly. It's one of the many other roads that astrology can take you down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. interesting. Learn yeah. from the who developed it. So. Yeah. Okay. So um, I think we'll call it a day. And I lived through it. I'm happy. I have. Yes. Yes. I did. Yes. I put my back out, folks. That's. I'm a bit challenged. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> just to let you all know, you have been listening to CJMP 90.1 FM, Powell Rivers Community Radio Station. Thank you for listening, and we will get together next week. See you next week. Yep. Bye-bye, Jill. Feeling better. Yes, ditto. Bye. Bye-bye.